This is Todd Summerfeld. I'm a sales agronomist for CHS in Crookston, Minnesota. We are pleased to bring you the update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan along with Sierra Doctor and Whitney Pittman. We begin uh, with uh, looking at uh, weekend weather heading into the new year uh, on a bit warmer note than expected. National Weather Service's uh, Aberdeen-based meteorologist Scott Doring says the weekend is overall dry and temperatures will hover slightly below or at freezing. It looks like on uh, New Year's Eve here, Saturday, temperatures really nice, kind of in the 20s for the most part. Western South Dakota could see warmer temperatures. Uh, perhaps in the upper 30s, uh, and also parts of Minnesota could also reach uh, lower 30s for uh, on Saturday. But still dry conditions overall. Uh, on uh, New Year's Day, we do have slightly cooler temperatures, generally lower 20s across much of North Dakota into the northern part of Minnesota. But here across South Dakota, mid-20s, perhaps the uh, low to mid-30s across southern South Dakota. That storm system that is forming early next week so far has been tracking a little further south than previously expected. There is a storm system trying to move away, move into the area perhaps Sunday night into Monday time frame. Um, lots of uh, unknowns on the exact track of the storm system, but something to keep an eye on as we go into early part of next week. There has been a general shift southward overall in the model data that has come in. Uh, so it's like maybe the uh, brunt of the storm may more impact uh, South Dakota, parts of Nebraska, and perhaps southern half of Minnesota. North Dakota may miss out on the storm system. The EPA and Army Corps of Engineers has released its final definition for the waters of the United States. This rule restores a language that was in place prior to 2015 for nav navigable waters under the Clean Fuel Water Act. EPA Administrator Michael Regan says this will provide greater certainty for farmers, ranchers, and landowners. North Dakota Senator Kevin Kramer was quick to respond to the WOTUS announcement from the Biden administration. In a statement, Kramer said, the regulatory ping-pong of WOTUS regulations is seemingly never-ending. The Supreme Court is reviewing this issue, and Kramer said establishing a new WOTUS definition ahead of their ruling adds to the confusion. Disappointment from many ag groups following that EPA decision including the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, National Association of Wheat Growers, and the American Farm Bureau Federation, among others. North Dakota Grain Growers Association's Executive Director Dan Wagson says the ruling is not unexpected. It's very disappointing what they have come out with the new WOTUS rule. It's not unexpected, uh, but it's very, very disappointing. But what's really disappointing is, is this is another classic case of federal regulatory overreach and it negatively impacting North Dakota's number one industry and that's agriculture. Once again, we've got the uh, federal agencies that feel that they can regulate state waters when in fact the state of North Dakota does a, an excellent job of taking care of its state waters and making those waters clean for the entire nation. And Wogsland says uh, waters of the U.S. is turning into a merry-go-round of overregulation. The next thing is, is and, and I'm very confident, uh, that the state of North Dakota is going to sue once again, just as we did before. Uh, we're going to prevail in court, just as we did before. And so the only losers in this, really, are the taxpayers of this country, 
and quite honestly, the uncertainty that landowners and farmers and ranchers will have during this time of, of court. Uh, you, you know, what we're doing is, is, is we're spinning our wheels. We're not going anywhere. We're not getting anything done. And that's, and that's because of these agencies' insatiable appetite to overregulate. North Dakota Ag Commissioner Doug Goring reflects back on the year and says it was profitable for farmers, even with the tough weather conditions, inputs, and transportation holdups. Farmers have had the ability to reap some of the rewards of that with higher commodity prices, but uh, conversely, they've also had to deal with uh, some very uh, expensive operating costs this year whether that's been for plant protection products, whether it's been for energy, fuel, gasoline, trucking, supply issues, uh, labor issues, everything everybody's dealing with. We've had some of the same concerns, and it's daunting. And people did manage to get through this year. Goring says the future is optimistic with value-added agriculture picking up steam in the state. Goring expects animal agriculture expansion will be a big topic in the next legislative session to offset these processing facility byproducts. The other things, we did have some really fantastic announcements this year with a a handful of processing facilities uh, making their way to North Dakota and setting up shop. A Castleton project, it looks like we potentially have a Grand Forks project and uh, a Spiritwood uh, project. Those are all crushed facilities. A wet mill project is being proposed for the Grand Forks area for corn, which primarily be looking at uh, uh, protein products for the dairy, swine, and pet food industry. So kind of exciting. We'll see what happens there. The 2023 U.S. Legislative Session begins next week. Representative Michelle Fishbach of Minnesota says she's excited to get to work on the next farm bill, serving on the House Agriculture Committee once again. You know, some of the things that are happening with the farm bill, I know that we hear a lot about crop insurance and protecting that program. And that in particular, you know, we don't tie it to other things, conservation things that may cause issue with getting your crop insurance. You know, we've got to protect that risk management programs. We've got to protect the sugar program, which is very important in my district. And, and you know, making sure that we're insuring a liable, sustainable disaster program. One of the most important things is making sure that we are hearing from the farmers from the stakeholders and hearing what works, what doesn't work, and what they're concerned with. After, er, Fishbach also says uh, other ag issues will be on her radar as well. If there's things that we can do to help the, the input costs that our farmers have been facing, you know, whether it be with fertilizer or diesel fuel, things like that, and, you know, maybe making sure that the, if there's more that we can do for the supply chain, uh, you know, and looking, making sure people are getting what they're ordering and that they're able to have access to that. A rural broadband, the H-2A and the H-2B, and making sure that uh, we aren't mixing that up with immigration because the work visas are different and making sure that we have the, the workforce that we need. And those folks on those visas who've applied for those visas are willing to come here and, and work, and they have a job waiting for them. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Year-end book work can be tedious, but Senior Vice President at MinStar Bank, Kent Tesey, says there are three main items are, that are necessary for financial planning and record keeping. Uh, you know, some of the things I think that are important to look at 
first of all, to have an up-to-date end-of-the-year balance sheet. Second piece of a good financial planning, I think, is a good income and expense summary for the year. Basically, what you do for your income taxes, cash received, expenses paid. It's always good to compare that to what you budgeted at the beginning of the year because that can help you moving forward. And then, of course, the third piece of a good financial planning is to prepare a cash flow and budget for the coming year and the good cash flow uh, looks at uh, what your planned production is for the years, uh, production levels, same with livestock. TC says ag lenders need these items for loan documentation, but that uh, they can also serve as a helpful tool to determine how things are working on your operation. It's an expectation. First of all, I think it's good for your farm business. Uh, you know, we see folks that are in the farm business management program where they do these types of things routinely. And I guess we encourage all farmers to do this. I, I think to know where your business is at from a business planning standpoint is important. And then ag lenders are going to require that. Uh, most of them require at a minimum an up-to-date balance sheet and a cash flow for the year. And a lot of them also like to do an end-of-the-year analysis from the year before as well. Northland Community Technical College Farm Business Management faculty Betsy Jensen recommends farmers go into the new year with a marketing plan resolution. Of course, I always talk about marketing plans. And I think last year a lot of guys watched wheat go to 13 and then still own that $13 wheat today at $9. And so having a marketing plan and having some standing orders is certainly going to help you do a better job of marketing your grain. And Today, you can place an order for $13 wheat if you want. That is fine. Maybe it'll get hit. But if you have that order going, if you think $13 is a great price, place the order today, and then it'll it'll be there if, if the market ever, if it ever hits that point. So having standing orders for a marketing plan is a wonderful way to improve your marketing for 2023. Jensen stresses the importance of factoring interest expense into your management plan. One of the resolutions that we're going to have to have this year is interest expense. Look at your interest expense in 2021 and look at what it's been in 2022. And we even we haven't even had a full year of these high interest rates. Interest rates change how we should be managing our cash, how we should be doing our prepays, when we should be marketing our grain. I really encourage farmers to figure out how much it's costing them to store that grain. How much is it costing them to prepay some of those expenses? Make sure they're getting more bang for their buck. We haven't operated in these 7.5-8% interest rates for quite a while. AgWatch Market Advisors President Dewey Strickler says thin trade and Argentina weather are the market features going into the new year. Seeing the most of the uh, moves are being sponsored or led by soybeans. They one time were up double digits and the January contract still is up di double digits. They backed off here a little bit, but uh, the beans uh, we still got uh, we got some dry conditions uh in areas of Argentina, and uh, we are looking at isolated scattered showers, and who knows, you know, when the trading starts, maybe we'll get a decent uh, shower there. EverAg market analyst Matt Trannell says the wheat and soybeans are seeing nice gains on weather concerns in a thinly traded market. Uh, first notice day is today, so a lot of the long positions had to exit by yesterday's close. Now it's primarily... The, uh, the thinly traded front months and anybody that's short trying to get out. So uh, as markets rallied, 
is probably a last-ditch effort out of uh, some of the short positions to wrap it up, which uh, brought some buying to the market. For more information from the Red River Farm Network, visit Facebook and Twitter. You can also find stories, podcasts, and more at rrfn.com. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture. Let's catch up with Ag Week reporter Mikkel Pates. Mikkel, what do you have for us on the cover of Ag Week? Well, this is a technology story that I've been wanting to do for some time. It uh, has to do with John Deere work uh, in Fargo. Uh, we have, we all know that um, big machines that uh, John Deere makes are from a lot of high states, but the a lot of the brain power and the uh, electronics comes out of Fargo, where they have 700 uh, people working in four buildings uh, with uh, sophisticated uh, new concepts and things uh, in having to do with elect- electrification and hybrid power and uh, sophisticated new inventions, hundreds of patents that come out of Fargo that are incorporated into equipment uh, ranging from some of the smart planters to smaller tractors and eventually larger tractors. John Deere has what they call a fellows program where they have uh, individuals who have been stellar in this capacity and you know the company-wide they only have 30 of these decorated fellows and five of them uh, live and work in in Fargo at this uh, in this uh, smart solutions uh, department uh, it's intelligence solutions and uh, so uh, kind of a profile of each one of these uh, individuals and their accomplishments and then an overall of what what John Deere does here. Wow, that sounds interesting. Looking forward to reading about it next week's Ag Week. And let's check markets before we leave you this afternoon. March wheat, Minneapolis, 17 and a half higher, 931 and a half. Chicago March wheat is 18 higher at 792. And Kansas City March wheat, 19 and three quarter higher, 885 and three quarters. March corn is down a penny and a half, 678. July corn is down two at 670 and three quarters. January soybeans trading 10 and a quarter higher at 1519. March soybeans, seven and a half higher at 1523 and three quarters. Thanks for joining us. Happy New Year, everyone. This is the Red River Farm Network.